you're listening to The Top Line, brought to you by Fierce Pharma and Fierce Biotech. I'm your host, Ayla Ellison. In today's episode, we are exploring the impact that environmental, social, and governance measures, commonly known as ESG, can have on the pharmaceutical industry. Fierce Pharma's Fraser Kansteiner sat down with Jim Griffey, head of ESG strategy at Eli Lilly, to get his insights. He makes the business case for integrating ESG into the DNA of drug makers and discusses Lilly's specific ESG efforts and how those strategies tie back to the company's long history. Let's dive into the conversation now. Hi, this is Fraser Kansteiner with Fierce Pharma. I'm here with Jim Griffey, head of ESG strategy at Eli Lilly and Company. Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Fraser. I want to start off with a pretty broad question. Why is it especially crucial for for healthcare companies like Eli Lilly to factor in environmental, social, and and governance concerns? it's It's a perfect way to start the conversation. Maybe let me first offer our perspective on really what ESG or sustainability means. In our view, these are a set of topics that reflect a company's desire to put itself on the most solid foundation it can be, to be the most resilient it can be for the long run, play the long game. So maybe starting with that is at least our premise on why sustainability and ESG is important. Then translating that into a pharmaceutical company, especially something that's unique about a pharma company is that it takes a long time to discover a new medicine and it costs a lot of money from an idea in a scientist's mind in Lilly Research Labs until a new medicine in a patient's hands might be 10 years or more. So by design, we have to think in long time horizons. We have to play the long game by virtue of our business. Also something that's somewhat unique to Lilly, we were founded by Colonel Eli Lilly, who was a Civil War veteran. Members of the Lilly family ran this company for decades. And the Lilly family established really clear values and intent for this company. Our three values, and anybody at Lilly can tell you these right off the top of their head, integrity, excellence, and respect for people, which also have a real sustainability connotation to them. We were founded by the Lilly family, and unlike, I think, any other pharma company, we haven't gone through a mega merger. So these values that the Lilly family established for us have largely been undisturbed for almost 150 years, our our length, our, our approaching anniversary as a company. So then coming back to your question, for us, sustainability has to be in our central vision. We have to think in long-term time horizons. We've made medicines for 150 years. We want to be resilient to make medicines for another 150 years. So for us, uh, ESG is a reflection of how we do what we do. Importantly, these topics aren't nice-to-haves. They're not extracurriculars. They're not distractions from our day job of making medicine. They're part and parcel of how we approach our work every day to help patients with disease. It's really interesting how these considerations are both, as you say, very forward-looking, but also rooted in the long history of Eli Lilly. So we've seen a lot of traction, especially from pharmaceutical companies recently when it comes to environmental sustainability. So I'm I'm really interested in that topic. Can you talk about how Lilly's efforts pertain to environmental sustainability? And I also want to ask the 
sort of broader question of how is the planet's health connected to human health? Let's start with just being a good steward. This is the only planet we've been given. And so until Elon Musk colonizes Mars, this is the only one we've got and we should take care of it. So we begin our approach to environmental sustainability with just this is the right thing to do. This is the only planet, the natural resources we have. So we should all do our part to take care of it. I think pharmaceutical companies, we are not polluters or or greenhouse gas or, or contribute to global warming at the scale of maybe some other industries. But nonetheless, we do emit greenhouse gases. We use precious natural resources, especially water, to make medicines. So beyond just doing the right thing, I think the second factor for us is we need to maintain access to these important resources, again, with that mission of making medicine front of mind. So we want to take care of the resources because we were reliant on them. Um, and so for Lily, we look across climate, waste, water, a lot of different environmental concerns with a view toward improving our footprint. And I can give some more details as we go on. Your, the other element of your question on the health of the planet connected to human health. I think that's a great linkage. We're, we're a healthcare company. Our, our extended purpose is uniting caring and discovery to make medicines that make life better for people around the world, make life better for people, especially people with disease. So that gets to this broader question of human health. So to the extent that climate change or severe weather events or droughts amplify or worsen people's health situation, then just as we're motivated to bring medicine to help those conditions, we're also motivated to help the planet if that's also a contributor to potential adverse health outcomes. So all of those things come together that taking care of the environment and the planet is just as important to us as the other elements of our ESG strategy. And again, can be tied to this overarching purpose. We're here to make medicine, so let's do everything we can to make sure we can do that for the long run. Great. And I know that when it comes to environmental sustainability, that's obviously a multi-year process. Can you walk me through Lily's long-term goals when it comes to sustainability? Yeah, especially for climate. We have There's a few things I think that are important and have, we've been deliberate there. In 2020, we set our latest set of environmental goals, and I'll focus on the climate goals, and they're set at 2030, so a 10-year time horizon. And we did that deliberately. There are a lot of companies that maybe set perhaps more ambitious goals, but anchor them out to farther years in the future, maybe even 2050. Our view is that a goal for 2050, can we really get our arms around that and create a sense of urgency? 2050, I think both you and I might be drinking umbrella drinks somewhere if, if all goes well for us by 2050. So by 2030, that puts it in the time horizon where we need to take action now. So that was deliberate. The other thing with climate goals is that you can't wait until year nine, in our case of a 10-year window, to start thinking about it. We need to make progress every year. And we actually need to change the way we operate. We need to change our infrastructure to achieve those goals. So being more specific for us, we've set goals to be carbon neutral in our own operations and to buy all of our electricity from renewable sources by 2030. And we're keeping score. If you're not keeping score, you're just practicing. So our total greenhouse gas emissions between 2020 and 2022 have come down in the absolute by almost a quarter, by 22%, almost a quarter, while the company overall is growing. 
So that's a reflection of the progress we're making in the absolute. And we'll have the 2023 numbers later this spring. And you don't get there without doing things deliberately. So in our case, we've installed solar panels at a number of our facilities. We've been very explicit in improving the efficiency of our operations. Seemingly uh, small things like LED lighting or air exchange rates, air temperature levels, we're a data-driven science company. So that puts us in a pretty good position to use data on environmental concerns to make ourselves more efficient. So we're making progress and we think we're on track toward those 2030 goals, making progress year on year. I appreciate some of those concrete examples of sustainable initiatives that you're employing within your facilities and and operations. The other big aspect to uh, environmental sustainability is that it doesn't fall on just one company's shoulders. How is Lilly working with suppliers and other partners in its value chain to tackle uh, those those so-called scope three emissions? The infamous scope three. It's a big chunk of the equation. So the two goals I just talked about, carbon neutral in our own operations, that's also known as scope one for the techies Mm -hmm. in, in the audience, and buying all of our electricity from renewable sources is scope two. Scope three is all of the other emissions that happen from our supply chain, all of the counterparties that we work with that produce greenhouse gas emissions uh, as a result of the work they do with us. And I think similar to a lot of other companies, scope three is the vast majority of our emissions. Probably 80% of Lilly's total emissions fall into this scope three category. And we're being thoughtful here. We, to be clear, we have not set a scope three reduction target. And it is deliberate that we've done this. Um, we're focusing on getting as best of an understanding of our scope three information as we can. Unfortunately, today, most scope three data is done from a sort of a top-down allocation percentage of spend-based way. And so using a, a methodology that captures scope three emissions from how much we might spend with a given counterparty may not really reflect the actual operations of that counterparty and service of Lilly. If a a logistics provider is shipping all Lilly medicines and electric vehicles, for example, we may not capture that from a spend-based approach. So before we set a goal for reducing scope three, we want to get a solid understanding of our baseline, where we are today. Again, being a a data-driven company, we want to have a good foundation. So that's where we're focused right now working with our large suppliers to understand the real carbon footprint there. That then sets us up to start working with those suppliers on how we might improve, how we might reduce the the emissions that they provide. The other thing that's, I think, unique here, across pharma, we tend to use a pretty similar set of suppliers. So there's um, value in collaboration here. If each pharma company goes to a given supplier with a different set of requirements or asks in in service of reducing scope three, it might paralyze things. So rather, we're trying to have more of a coalition-based approach. How can we come together as an industry with a a set of united asks and a united effort toward our suppliers that will help everybody pull in the same direction and ultimately reduce those emissions? So that's our focus at this point, but all of that is with the broader intent of working with the supply chain to reduce scope three over time, but we want to do it in a thoughtful way rather than setting a goal as a a slogan rather than a scientific-based approach. Thanks for indulging all my environmental focus questions. I want to go back 
to ESG more generally. What are some of the long-term benefits of ESG for pharmaceutical companies in terms of a business proposal, if you will? We have this conversation a lot that the business case for ESG, rather than ESG as a uh, a virtue signaling or other um, emphasis, this should reflect running your business in an effective way. And that's how we think about it. So maybe as a couple of details, at Lilly, we focus on 15 topics in our ESG strategy. These are 15 things where we've drawn a pretty explicit line of Performing well on these topics helps us to make medicine. Interestingly, only really two of these topics are specific to us as a pharmaceutical company, access to our medicines and patient safety. And of course, those are pretty central to making medicines. The other 13 really could be any industry, taking care of the planet, practicing good ethics, having good governance, bringing a diverse and inclusive workforce, being a good member of the community, and so on. And we view those as pretty universal topics for any company to run itself in a sustainable way. Perform well on these things. If you've got employees bringing everything they've got every day, if you're taking care of the planet, being a good member of the community, you're on a more solid foundation to ultimately deliver on your mandate. So that's how we think about back to this, why ESG is important for us, not only as a pharma company playing the long game, as I mentioned before, but also just running your business in a very sound way. And I think that speaks to why, in my opinion, or why in Lily's opinion, these topics shouldn't be controversial. I think from my perspective anyway, if we take a step back and say, take care of the planet, take care of your employees, be a good member of the community, work to get your medicines into the hands of the patients that need it, be ethical, there shouldn't be anything controversial about that. Those are just good practices to run your business. Uh, well for the long run where everyone should benefit. And how can ESG help companies like Lily recruit and retain talent? And do you have any specific examples from your own experience? I do. It's really interesting. So the generation of future leaders, especially college students today, we're finding that they're making career decisions where they want to work for the long run, looking at companies from this sustainability lens. It's an important criteria for them. Uh, my son, Sam, is a sophomore in college in Cincinnati, and, and he would agree with me here that as he's starting to think about what he wants to do when he grows up, uh, this is a valid consideration for him. Uh, practically, I'll tell you an interesting story. At Lilly, every year, each summer, we host a bunch of interns in, in various functions, finance, marketing, and so on, either undergrads or people in graduate school. And the experience they have, half of their work is focused on doing a project, something that we, some work we need done. And it's an opportunity for the students to show their skills to the company as an extended job interview, which is what an internship is. And then the other half of the experience is giving the students a, a purview or a, a, a of visibility into various areas of the company. So we'll have lunch and learn or town hall meetings. Here's how our treasury department works. Here's how we think about marketing and so on. So a couple of years ago, it was during the summer, we had a group of interns in and they did not have ESG on the slate of activities for the students. And interestingly, it was one of the interns that sort of raised their hand and said, hey, Lily, do you focus on sustainability at all? Do you have an ESG strategy? That's something that's important to me, and I haven't seen anything on it. So that request made its way to me, and absolutely, we focus on this stuff. So it, it was a great opportunity. I then came before all of the, the finance interns and gave them the overview of what we're doing, much the same as the conversation we're having here. And it was a great two-way dialogue. I was impressed 
with the knowledge of this group of, of young future leaders and how they're paying attention and the knowledge they had on these topics. And it was also a way for us to show to them, yeah, Lily cares about this stuff. Uh, and so it was, it was a nice discussion because it was organic. They had a real need and I was telling them what we really do, not contrived at all. And I think that was a real eye opener for us as a tangible showing of how these topics will influence career decisions, our ability uh, to retain, recruit, um, promote, and ultimately make ourselves more resilient. Let me offer one other one, if, if, I'm, if, you'll, if you'll allow me to indulge, that I think is really interesting beyond the recruiting standpoint. So diversity, equity, and inclusion is an important topic for Lilly. And it's also an area where uh, retention is important and recruiting from a, a broader set of potential employees. As a company that makes medicine for years, we've done a process called patient journeys, where we have a rigorous process looking at the patient's lived experience with disease. Symptoms, go to the doctor, get diagnosed, have therapy options, go on a therapy, live with that therapy, and so on. And the purpose of this patient journey is to identify what we call moments of truth. What are the steps in that journey that are really crucial to that patient's success? Do they have a good outcome? Do they have a good experience? And having identified those things, where might we intervene to make things better, to remove a friction point? So we've done that for a long time, and it's a a rigorous data-driven exercise. A few years ago, we said, well, what if we apply that same approach to our employees and try to understand the lived experience, an employee journey at Eli Lilly Company? So we've done that. We've done it several times with women, Black employees, LGBTQ. Last year, we did it for disabled employees. And in a thoughtful, deliberate exercise, really trying to dig into what is the lived experience. And then we got some learnings and insights from it. And sometimes the learnings after the fact seem, well, yeah, that's obvious. But they wouldn't be obvious if you didn't actually do the exercise and ask the question with some intent behind it. So things like, when I look more senior in the company, I don't really see people like me having been promoted. What does that tell me about my career prospects? In a meeting, I'm the only person like me in the meeting, or I feel uh, like I have to censor myself because I'm unique and different. Those insights then enable us to create interventions. So even things like anti-bias or unconscious bias training or the way we staff recruiting exercises, having diverse slates of recruiting panels or diverse slates of candidates. So it's been a really good exercise for us to get insights in a similar way, acknowledging this importance of ESG, not only in the way we think about external recruiting, but also the way we continue to recruit and engage our existing employees. Great. And I just have one more, and I think you touched on this, but how does ESG affect priority communities? And can you give us just a rundown of what a priority community is? I mentioned that a couple of times, being a good member of the community is something that's important to us. And there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Um, One, we're a healthcare company. So how can we look to improve healthcare in the communities where we operate? A great example. So our headquarters is in downtown Indianapolis. And a few years ago, we did some research and discovered that patients with diabetes in downtown Indianapolis, maybe even within walking distance of our headquarters, have a lower life expectancy and perhaps a lower quality of life than someone with diabetes out in the suburbs, social determinants of health question. So we've partnered in a number of ways, but it includes community health care workers in three different zip codes in Indianapolis. We call it the Diabetes Impact Project. So it's communities right around our global headquarters 
working with community healthcare workers, with patients with diabetes. And what we've learned is that if you've got diabetes, it's uh, there's a, an old adage that having diabetes for a day is no big deal, but having it for a lifetime is overwhelming because you have to think about anything you ever put in your mouth, test your blood sugar, give the right medicine, and so on. So there's a lot to it. So patients with diabetes in these zip codes, if they don't have food in the pantry, if the kids are sick, if they don't have daycare, if the car isn't running, the last thing they're probably thinking about is taking their blood sugar or taking their medicine properly. Um, and if just left to the typical approach, I have diabetes and I've got my regular checkup with my doctor, I, I put on my nice clothes and I go see the doctor and I try to have a, quote, good visit, tell the doctor maybe what they want to hear, deal with the superficial level, and then go home and get on with my life, which may not really get at the root cause. With these community healthcare workers, they can take a pretty holistic view. How's your life doing? <laughs> Let's talk about what's on your mind first and get things sorted that need sorted. Once we do that, now we're probably in a better position to talk about how your disease and therapy is going. So we've been doing that for several years. We actually just expanded it recently. Early days to see the outcome, but I think it's a great example of how we're engaging even in our own neighborhood. We have an expertise here. How can we bring that to bear? And then more broadly for engaging the communities, we have a whole team at Lilly that works with employee volunteering, how we give back to the community, our foundation, and how it gives back to the community as well. We're in a nice, luxurious position being a successful company that also makes medicine. We also have a pretty involved employee base. Most of our employees either have someone in their family impacted by disease or otherwise work here for purpose. We don't make widgets, and our employees know that. So there's, I think, an inherent desire that I work here for a reason because I want to do right by humankind. And that also extends out to how I want to be a good member of the community, volunteer on my own, volunteer on behalf of Lily. And as a company, we give our employees a lot of latitude to do that, understanding that everybody benefits if we're trying to give back for our own blessings. Jim, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we close out? Thanks for asking, Fraser. I alluded to this before, but I'll use it as maybe a, a capstone. Um, we view these ESG topics is a way of making us more resilient to make medicine. And I don't think anybody can argue with that or, or they shouldn't anyway. So we're pretty pragmatic. Do right by the community, do right by the planet, do right by your employees. And if we do those things, we're in a better position to deliver on our mission to make medicines that make life better for people. So that's how we view things. And we think it's actually a pretty noble and appropriate thing to be doing. And we'll fly above the fray of noise or controversy and go about the business of hopefully bringing medicines to people who need it. Fantastic. Well, Jim, thank you again for uh, joining me today. I've really enjoyed our talk. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. That's it for The Top Line. I'm your host, Ayla Ellison. You can find out more about this topic in our show notes at fiercepharma.com. Look for podcasts. And that's the bottom line from The Top Line.